Welcome to In Conversation, a series of captivating and insightful dialogues with leading writers, artists, and spiritual teachers. In Conversation is a production of Banyan Books and Sound. An oasis in Vancouver since 1970, Banyan is a gathering place of the world's wisdom and healing traditions. Come by for a visit or find us at banyan.com for live events, books, and more. This is Farin Israeli, and today I'm delighted to be in conversation with Dr. Shafali, who is an author, speaker, and clinical psychologist who integrates Eastern philosophy and practices with Western psychology. Her books, The Awakened Family, The Conscious Parent, and Out of Control, have been acclaimed by a number of people, including Oprah Winfrey and Eckhart Tolle. And I'm delighted to speak to you about such an important topic today, and that is the topic of parenting and how to do so consciously. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to start off by asking you, what is the biggest challenge that parents face in today's times? I think the hardest thing is that we are so influxed and inundated with so many pressure-filled, you know, indoctrinations from culture that it feels so hard to know how to weed that out and focus just on present moment living and enjoy the present moment without getting all caught up and and stay attuned to the child's authentic nature. Um, I think that's the hardest thing because it's, you know, it's hard. We, we want the best for our children and then we get all caught up in what culture tells us we should do. And we don't feel good um, putting that on our children, but then we feel we need to do it because everyone else is doing it. So weeding out what intense pressure culture puts on us and really tuning into the child before us, I think is the core challenge of conscious parenting. And what are some of the cultural norms that play them, that impact people's abilities to have such high expectations of their children? You know, I think culture has such a morbid fear of just being and living a simple life and not identifying with all these accoutrements of comparison, competition, how do I look, which group do I belong to, how much money do I have. Culture is such a fear to be without that, like just to be a simple human being doesn't feel good enough. So parents imbibe that, you know, we absorb that and we begin to believe that our children need to become all those things in order for them to be quote unquote happy or worthy. And then the child, you know, who feels that they should be worthy anyway, begins to feel unworthy. So in a paradoxical way, we strip our children of worth and of their own inherent belonging. And what is the first step that people can take to really developing awareness? Because I read in one of your blogs that consciousness takes discipline. Yes, it does. It does. So the first step of developing awareness is the desire to live a different life, the desire to not be a reactive follower of life's, you know, turns and sweeps and to enter a place of 
presence with life rather than constantly being led by life. So that takes a wake-up call of some kind. I think very few people come to it voluntarily. Most people come through it with deep pain, you know, when they realize that, oh, they haven't been living a life of presence. They've been unconscious. They've been spewing their emotional garbage onto everyone else and because they haven't been connected. They've been on this wide goose chase for pleasure and sex and uh, happiness and achievement and all these things that we think we should get from the outside, but really first need to be developed with, by a relationship with oneself. You know, intimacy in all sorts of ways, emotional, physical, sexual, can, with another can only first occur if you have it with yourself. So the reason why we are so attached to, uh, you know, these external indicators of worth, like beauty, success, achievement, wealth, is because that's how we've been trained by culture to do so. And what we've missed is the essential step that we need to first develop a relationship with ourselves. So it's only pain that teaches us to do this. Pain wakes us up. Very few people come to self-awareness and consciousness voluntarily. Most people come to it involuntarily when life does something to us to show us that, hey, you haven't been paying attention to your sovereign self. You haven't been, been paying attention to who it is you truly are. You've just been relying on external elements for your worth. And now you need to wake up and become aware and conscious. But this often only happens, this spiritual awakening only happens after deep pain. Unfortunately, we don't come to it voluntarily and we should, but we don't. Mm -hmm. So pain brings us to the place that wakes us up. And then what? What takes us into that relationship with the present moment and the doorway to live life in a more authentic way? So what happens after that? After yeah, like, are there certain practices or certain techniques or certain things that you recommend to really give people a sense of how to develop this sense of paying attention to the present moment? Well, I think you have to develop a practice for it. Just like you want to be physically fit, you go to the gym. So if you want to be spiritually fit, you have to meditate. And spirituality is really about understanding what's in your mind, your thoughts, and learning to watch your thoughts and wake up to them and understand what's, what's beneath them, what's inside them, and, and to become more aware of, you know, are you operating mostly out of lack or abundance? And how can you develop a greater sense of abundance so that you can meet your children with that sense of bliss and euphoria and ab abundant mindset that sees them for their wholeness, no matter what it is they do. So they don't feel they have to earn their wholeness. They already have their wholeness with them. Mm -hmm. So practices like meditation can be really helpful in becoming aware of our thoughts and our behaviors and what's underneath all of that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, there's so many aspects of Aaron parenting that are so deeply embedded in our culture and in our way of thinking. Can you speak a little bit about your understanding of how discipline can sometimes work in ways that aren't helpful for children? 
Sure. You know, the traditional paradigm of discipline is heavily rooted in control, which is severely mired in fear. And parents think that that's the mainstay of parenting, but it really is the lazy way of parenting because it's so easy to just hit a child, really. Just lose your temper and hit a child. It's so easy to send them to their room. It's so easy to scare them. It takes great restraint to connect with them, to not intimidate them, to understand them, to connect to their feelings, to not react to them. So the old way just intimidates and subverts and submerges the child. It doesn't teach the child. It doesn't connect to the child. It doesn't heal or hold the child. It just yells at the child for making the parent feel uncomfortable. That's what big traditional discipline is. You made me uncomfortable. You made me feel helpless. You insulted me. You made me feel unworthy. So I'm going to make you feel unworthy. It's really a huge temper tantrum in disguise. Mm-hmm. And the harder ways to connect and understand and ask questions and and build some connection rather than react with exactly the same response. Exactly. You know, changing it, understanding the situation in a new way rather than just simply coming to the same situation always with a control-heavy hand. And have you seen the, I mean... Tell us a little bit about the results when people change that whole paradigm and instead of applying discipline or a heavy-handed approach, start asking questions and start to try to build understanding. What's the fruit of that? Well, the fruit is really that the parent learns how to rein in their reactivity. The fruit is really for the parent because, you know, the parent who reacts blindly and is allowed this, control is really not an evolving person. So they, you know, we're here on earth to evolve, to become more conscious, to become more aware, to become more awakened, not to just blindly react. So one of the fruits is that the parent evolves, the parent raises themselves up, the parent realizes, you know, what was it in me that made me constantly vomit like this and scare my child like this? So that's one positive. And the second positive is that the child learns not to live in fear. The child learns to self-regulate through connection, not through correction, not through intimidation, not through fear. Mm -hmm. So there's evolution that's embedded in, in this whole process, in this whole relationship for both the child and the parent. Yes, for both. Such a beautiful outcome is possible because the, the child trusts the parent. You know, one of the things I've... I've read and I think it will be something that a lot of parents can relate to is the difficulty of letting go. And can you know, as a parent yourself, I'm sure you can speak to this both from a, a perspective of the work that you do, the research you do, but also from a personal perspective. Yeah. So you care about them and you provide for them and you nurture them and you expose them always with the awareness, the default emotional awareness, that ultimately they are their own sovereign spirits here to manifest their own blueprint. And they have nothing really to do with your spiritual journey or your emotional happiness. They are who they are. and They need to live and manifest their own destiny, regardless of what your desire was or your fantasy was. Just because you birthed them doesn't mean you own them and doesn't mean you get the right to project your 
you're suffering them just because you're paying for their meals. You know, we think just because we, we quote unquote sacrifice for them, we now get to contour their entire journey, their life journey. That's a that's a deep act of generosity and deep freedom in not having to be responsible as well for the outcome. Exactly, exactly. And I don't think I think the 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 real attitude of that humility to let go will come when we own that we had the child for ourselves. We didn't have a child because we were we were you know selfless Mother Teresa's in the making. We had the child for our own agendas. And when we realized that the, the poor child came for us, we won't mess with them as much. But you see, we are contorted. We have it all wrong. We think that we are doing something for this poor child who was dying to come on earth. And we somehow think we're doing them a favor. We're not doing them a favor. They didn't ask to come. We, we, act, we enacted their, their creation, right? Quote, unquote, their creation. We participated in that. We called for it because we had on our list, have a child. So how can we now expect them to follow us? It's because we have them. You know, we should say thank you for them, for them willing to come into our chaos and our immaturity and deal with us. It should be completely the other way around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it totally turns the parent-child relationship on its head and really sheds light on it. Tell me a little bit about the most satisfying aspect of the work that you do and the results that you see when you see people applying this to their own families. I think the most satisfying thing for me is when I see parents re-enjoying the parental process and they just have fun with it. They laugh at their own foibles. They laugh at their unconsciousness. They see it humorously. They see it lightly. They see their children as just ordinary human beings, just like they are. They don't expect them to be superstars. They give up this whole ego-driven, agenda-fied childhood, you know, where the child has to do, do, do. They allow their children to have a childhood and don't put this whole machinery of success and achievement on the child. They just allow and they relax and they just have fun again and stop putting so much pressure and understand the power of the present moment and just let the child be a child. And I think when I see that, that aha moment or that light bulb, I think that gives me great pleasure when I see parents and children just relaxing. It's an ongoing learning. And is there anything in your parental journey that's really fresh in terms of insights that you'd like to share? Well, just, you know, my daughter's now 15. So just watching this whole evolution of childhood to teenagehood and seeing how, you know, letting go and not projecting our agendas becomes even more pivotal in teenagehood and releasing authority and control and fear becomes more important and how to nurture a sense of self and how really the parent needs to lead in that endeavor. And if the parent doesn't lead, like if I don't lead in my own self-awareness, if I don't lead in my own self-esteem and self-worth, then my child won't pick up on that either. So just realizing that it all stems from me. A lot of it stems from me, at least. Mm -hmm. That you have an opportunity to be an example and through your example, give your daughter something, something very precious. Like... 
you know, it's an. Yes, 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 exactly. Through my embodiment of my own worth, I can give my child something very precious. So is there any specific uh, tool or something to remember when as people are connecting with their children that will be helpful for them as we bring this interview to a close? Well, I just, you know, just the awareness that their children are not an extension of themselves. Their children are actually going to perhaps be temperamentally, emotionally, intellectually very different from them. And that's the way of nature and that's the way of life. And to allow that, not to be threatened by it, but instead to allow that to flourish and manifest, you know, that is the key element to see your children as their own beings and not as mirror mini me images of one's own self. Mm -hmm. Which is really giving them autonomy and independence. Exactly. And, and ownership over their own beings. That's so important. Every one of us desires that. Why not our children? Thank you so much. There's been so much learning and so much insight that you've shared about conscious ways to connect with with people in general, not just children, but everyone that we encounter, but particularly relevant for parent-child relationships. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to In Conversation, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound, Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970.